Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. My name is Rob Samuelson. I'm an elder at Generations Church. And this morning, as always, I'm joined by my good friend and the lead pastor at Generations, Mr. Jeff Luddington. How you doing today, Jeff? I'm a little nervous today. I got to be honest, man. <laughs> We found out that our listenership is growing. It's not just my friend Eric and your mom anymore. I mean, we get, I know it's not a big deal. We get hundreds of listens every month. And so I, I'm a little nervous. I got to act right. I wore a collared shirt today and brushed my teeth, bro. I'm taking this very seriously. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. We got to act professional now. Oh so. my gosh. Yeah. So I'm, much I'm waiting. pressure. Yeah. When does the sponsorship start happening? When does... I know. I got to hire a producer now. There we go. We'll start doing commercials soon. Hey, um, we're continuing our series on questions from the classroom, as we both are teaching at Valley Christian High School, mm-hmm. and uh, we collect questions from our students, and uh, hopefully you've been enjoying this series. We've been going through a variety of different questions. Uh, today, we're going through questions that are kind of the next ones from what we did last week, kind of mm-hmm. part two, as we continue to deal with these questions that students have, just curious questions about what's heaven like, what are we going to be like. Um, so here are the questions for today. Will our lives in heaven be similar to our lives here on earth? Will we we work? Will we sleep? Will we eat? All those fun things. And then also they want to know, uh, all of us want to spend time with Jesus when we get to heaven. How are we all going to be able to do that? How do we all get time with Jesus? Yeah, that's that's great. In fact, you know, I mean... you know, I think we're going to get in line and, and uh, you know, all the smart people. No, I'm just kidding. So, hey, I think there are some good questions to this. And I want to, I want to, I want to preface this with, I think the Bible speaks a little about eternity. I, sp- I think it speaks a lot about today. And that Christians need to focus in on the here and now, the kingdom that is present. But we are given glimpses of our eternal future for a purpose and it is to answer questions like this and i think i think this is something that doesn't go away i think adults and and people i i would imagine i mean i'm not a senior citizen yet i'm i'm feels like i'm speeding towards that but uh as you get older i imagine you start thinking more about this right you're as you near it you begin to be more inquisitive about it and so today if you're listening i've asked rob to Work us through a passage in Revelation 21, and we get this future-looking passage about eternity. And so we'll work through what it looks like. What is, what is, how does that answer the question? And we'll catch the uh, how will we all get enough time with Jesus kind of idea near the end of it. And so, Rob, take us away. Yeah, this is great. Hopefully, uh, some people I know get nervous when they, they hear we're going through Revelation. Mm-hmm. Some people get really excited. Uh, So hopefully we'll catch everybody as we go through this. So we're starting with Revelation 21, verse 1, and this is titled, The New Heaven and the New Earth. When I saw a new heaven and a new earth, uh, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. 
Now, before I take this seriously and get into some commentary, I just want to say that I entrusted you with a passage and you literally got the first word wrong. <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm going to do. All right, so new heaven and new earth, right? Uh, two things. One, we think of heaven as future, but we also talk about God in heaven today, right? Or my loved one died and they're with God in heaven, right? And so when we think of eternity, it's different than heaven, right? So heaven is this metaphoric, if you will, place where we assign kind of only God is. Okay, so we know that's not true. We know God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. So heaven is this kind of vision, image, metaphor for where we think God exists. New heaven, new earth gives a sense of all things being made new, brand new beginning, right? But what we also get is it's much like this one. So new heaven, new earth, for the first heaven, the first earth had passed away. So what we're beginning to do is take us back all the way back to creation, right? And give us this image of brand new. Now, what's different is this brand new is eternal, right? And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. It is incorruptible, right? So now we get a holy city, a new Jerusalem. And... For most of our listeners, and myself included, I've never been to Jerusalem. And so immediately, I'm taken out of what I know, what I understand. So if it's at a new Long Beach, right? Okay, great. A new LA or a new you know, San Francisco, all places I've been, I would have a framework for this. But I really haven't been to Jerusalem. And so most Christians are now taken out of their element. But the idea is that it's a city, it's a people, it's a community, all those things like we do understand here on earth. And then we're told God is dwelling with man and death and tears and mourning and pain are no more. And really what we get is the idea that the barrier of sin, the separation between me and you and God, that barrier of sin is removed. God is present, right? Death, tears, mourning, pain, all that stuff that goes away. Well, that's the penalty of sin removed. So in the absence of sin, we get a brand new creation, and we get it looking a lot like what we know, except completely unlike what we know, because it's not corrupted or corruptible. And so, again, we get a very human existence, except it's not the human existence you and I know, because it's not corrupted with sin. And I'm just going to throw this out there in the beginning. None of us know what a world without sin would look like. Like, Everything we think of is tainted by sin, so it's hard to get. But what we need to take away is it's, it's like this and yet completely unlike this because we're with God, no sin, no pain, no death, all those things. All right, picking up with verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Hmm. Yeah, so I love he says, write this down, right? This is God's intention that we would have this, hear this, understand this. I, I even think of 
in the beginning of the book of Revelation, uh, which, by the way, I love that you said that earlier, and I want to repeat it. Uh, For those of you listening, it's Revelation singular, right? It's not Revelations plural, like multiple visions. It's the revelation of Jesus, uh, and it is Jesus ascended on the throne today. We just saw in verse 5, he who was seated on the throne, right? And so he says, I'm making all things new. That's what we were just talking about a minute ago. Write this down. This is trustworthy. This is true. This is what you can place your hope in. You can anchor yourself in when everything is wrong, right? COVID, you know, racism, there's, there's riots and stuff all over the news today. Politics, I, I don't think in our lifetimes have ever been more divided. Here's your anchor. I'm making all things new. That's so powerful. And then he gives us some images. He says, the spring of water of life without payment. And there will be all that you need. Provision is granted to you at no cost. And I, this is dumb, and I know this is incomplete and, and a little small, but you know, when I go grocery shopping, um, there are times when I don't have to watch my budget. I can just buy whatever I want and we can get some snacks or whatever. And there have been times in life where I had to count what I was getting. You know, we all go through that. This is you get to go to the store, everything you need, you're set, right? No charge. Like it's all for us. And I don't necessarily think there's going to be stores, but the provision for us is all there. But then he says this heritage, right? This heritage. When I think of heritage, I think of what we've inherited. And I don't mean like when somebody dies. I mean from, you know, decades, millennia, whatever of our families, right? This heritage, this thing that we carry on. What we carry on is, as those who are in Christ is this, this beautiful eternity, right? And he says, so are those who are in Christ, this is what you get. And then he has a list of things, cowardly, faithless, detestable, murderous, sexually immoral. And it's not meant, uh, just like R- Romans 1 does this, 1 Corinthians 6 does this. It's not meant to say, this person does this sin, therefore they can't go to heaven. It, what it's saying is, those who are that kind of person, who are defined by that, Really, the important part is those who are not defined by Jesus, right? Once you're in Christ, you're no longer defined by your own sins. He has taken that, right? So in Christ, I am no longer the things I, you know, that I used to be. I'm now defined by him. That's not an excuse to go sin. It's just a redefinition. When God sees me, he sees the purity of Christ, no matter how broken I am, right? And so we get this heritage. Others, those outside of Christ, they get what is called, in this passage, a second death. Now, remember that verse uh, to all the listeners um, for next week's episode. We're going to do a third one on eternity, and the question is going to be about the intermediary state. And so next week when you listen, I want you to remember this verse. I'm going to bring it back up again, the second death. All right, as we move forward to Revelation 9, uh, 21, 9, um, this section is titled in a lot of Bibles, The New Jerusalem. We'll skip the Beginning of nine, uh, jump in in the middle. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God in radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall and 12 gates and at the gates, 12 angels And on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. 
And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and its walls. So I, I, I think we'll stop there for just a second. Um, I mentioned earlier, a lot of people, when they hear about you're going through the book of Revelation, get a little nervous and say, mm-hmm. man, this is so hard to understand. Um, why is it difficult for us to grasp this, this picture, this idea of what heaven is going to be like? Yeah, I don't imagine Oprah's putting this on a reading list anytime soon, interviewing John the Apostle from Patmos. Yeah, I'm with you. So here's uh, the simplest way to answer this. There is tons of imagery. Its genre is apocalyptic, uh, which is a poetic form, but it's a specific form. It's kind of like when you read uh, Shakespeare, right? Number one, it was written a long time ago, and this is written even longer ago. Uh, but it uses poetry, it uses imagery. There's a lot of, uh, in Shakespeare's case, there's a lot of play on words, right? In this case, there's just image, and they're images that we're not necessarily familiar with. Now, I know when my wife reads this, and, you know, Jasper and, and, you know, Agate and other kinds of jewels, like, she's much more familiar with, uh, precious stones and gems than I am, right? I'm, I'm just, I've never been into it. I just know that I needed to get her a diamond for her to marry me. I mean, that was all it took, right? So not all it took. So I'm, she listens. I'm going to be in trouble. Anyhow, so, okay. So why? Why so image-driven? And the answer is that God is trying to give us understanding of a world, right, that we can't conceive of due to our current sinful condition in this world. And so uh, a couple examples, maybe. A world without COVID is fairly easy to, for us to understand because we lived in one in 2019, right? And so we understand what that was. Now, a world post-COVID will probably be different, but it won't be unrecognizable, right? We could probably imagine, hey, this is going to be different for this long or maybe forever or whatever, right? Okay, great. Now, a world without crime or politics, and I'm not using those because they're synonyms, but uh, though they often go together, um, well, a world without crime or politics is actually not something you and I can imagine, right? Without crime or politics, you wouldn't actually, without crime, I think you probably wouldn't need politics in a sense. You wouldn't need leadership if there wasn't evil, right? And uh, without politics, I mean, politics is, is broken at its core, uh, but Without all that stuff, we would have this existence where there's, there is no theft or murder or, you know, rioting or whatever. And again, even think of the implications of no crime, no politics. Just think of the, imp- the, the implications on things like racism, which is a hot-button topic today, right? Politics stir that up. Crime sometimes is either the cause or the root or the, or the, the, um, the result of something that happens. You know, like right now, there's, there's riots going on. There's crime going on because there is an ethnic group, a race group, that is feeling disenfranchised, right? And without drifting into that topic, these things all go together. And so we, we don't even really know how to imagine a world without all that. And so what we get is imagery, because we need to grab on to the beauty of a world without sin, without all this corruption. But we really don't have any framework. It's like saying, what, it, what would it be like to be a bird? I mean, Flying in an airplane isn't the same thing. You know what I mean? So it's images. How can you grab onto this even though it's beyond your comprehension? So verses 16 uh, through 21 basically describe 
the mm-hmm. city, as you said, all the jewels, things. I'll start with uh, 21. I love this. Um, but again, something that, again, I haven't experienced, so it's hard to imagine what it looks like. Uh, the 12 gates were 12 pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl. Those are pretty big pearls, I'm assuming. Yeah. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Yeah. Yep. So just, again, those, those images um, make it difficult to figure out exactly what that's going to look like. Yeah. As opposed to just saying, man, it's going to be beautiful. Yeah, and I think this is a this is a good time just to mention, hey, in future episodes, uh, ones we haven't, we know we're going to do, we haven't even planned out yet. Um, we're going to talk about interpretation of this book in general, how people in different end times views use this. And some make this very literal, right? They're going to talk about a literal thousand year reign. But when you read this passage, here's what it says right? The 12 gates were 12 pearls, right? And so some are going to say there's going to be a gate, you know, hewed out of a complete gigantic pearl. And I'm not sure that's the intention, right? It's beauty, beauty beyond, like we have, you know, the school, right? We have wrought iron or whatever that is out there. We have brick, we have these things and it, and it is a beautiful school. It's a good looking school. I'm guessing some school in you know, Bel Air probably is more beautiful, but I think we have a beautiful school, but nothing like gates of pearl, right? And so this passage really moves us from just the city to an explanation of the church in the city as well, right? Come, I will show you the bride. And so the bride is the church. It's always a people, right? It's a, a the church is a people now. It's not an address. It's not a Sunday gathering. Uh, it, now and in heaven, it's always a people, right? And it describes a beautiful gathering of the church, the believers, the people of Christ. And uh, I'll I'll just say this, man, a couple quick observations. Uh, We'll talk about this uh, later. But there's some funny things. And just if you want a good giggle, you remember the last five, six years and, you know, that all the politicians got on TV and like, you know, building a wall is just unchristian, unbiblical. I just want to give a spoiler alert. There's walls in heaven. They're just really pretty walls, but there's walls in heaven. I'll leave it at that before I get in trouble. <laughs> All right, moving ahead to verse 22. Uh, and I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. And the city had no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into the city the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Mm. So that last line right there, I'm just going to repeat something you've already said. It is incorruptible, right? No one will be able to come in and mess this one up, right? And so now it talks about... uh, a very big image I think we can all understand. It talks about no need for sun or moon to shine on it. Now, it doesn't say there's not a sun or a moon. It says there's no need. And here's the image given that Jesus, it says its lamp is the lamb. We know the lamb is Jesus. And so the light shining will be Jesus. And I believe that's to be an image, not necessarily, um, you know, an uh, an a real light, but it's to give us that image. Now it could be no sun and Jesus enlightens the, you know, everything. It could be that way, but I don't have to read it literally to understand what it's saying. 
the very light is Jesus. And so what we have today, you and I have a sunlight. You just had to close the blinds because your first set of kids will come in here and it'll cook them over there by that window, right? And so uh, we have sunlight. And so to the student, and again, we throw all these in there and we organize them. We don't know who asked what. So to the student who said, how will we get enough time with Jesus in heaven? Here's my answer. It's like saying, how do we get enough sunlight, right? Now, we live in Southern California. So if you're in Alaska, ignore this last question. But the idea is I can get as much sunlight as my skin can handle. I can get sunburn. I can get the vitamin D, the things I need, like you were mentioning earlier when we were talking about this, right? Sunlight is plenty. Does it, does it go away and come back out? Yes, of course. But Jesus will be plenty. He will be everywhere, always, just like the sun I don't have to get it, and then I have to save some for you. There's plenty for all. That's Jesus. We will get plenty of Jesus for all of us. Nice. And we'll wrap up with this, uh, moving into Revelation 22, the first five verses. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Yeah, there's just such beauty in that. The Lord God will be their light. Again, plenty of Jesus to go around. But there's two things I want to say. One is that this brings us back, just like we saw earlier in chapter 21, right? Brings us back to a throne. Here's something interesting. If you want to read through the book of Revelation, here's my greatest suggestion in understanding the book of Revelation. Get away from thinking that it's about things that haven't happened yet, things that are end times. 19 out of the 22 chapters are things that have taken place or are taking place now. Starting with chapter 20, we look to eternity, right? But the most important thing is 17 out of the 22 chapters, almost every chapter focuses in on a throne, right? The angel of, you know, the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. What it's supposed to say is not that there's a river flowing underneath or around or from a throne, but rather that life comes from Jesus, who is seated on the throne, the exalted Lamb of God, right? So it's supposed to tell us that everything we need, Jesus is our source. Now that's true for every believer today, but we don't always live that way. This is to remind us everything we need provided for eternally, incorruptible, right? In a very human heaven and earth existence, but in a very the way it was supposed to be, not the way it is. Excellent. Yeah, and we're going to end right there. Uh, if, you, if you just can't get enough of Revelation and end time stuff, we will have more yeah. episodes where we'll answer questions about that. If you have questions or you would like to uh, get some further explanation of what we just talked about, please email us at questions at generations.email. Uh, we are glad that you listened, that you tuned in. We hope you will share this and like it, and we will see you next Tuesday when we release our next episode.
For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church, G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at Church.